With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted, the first one of these we've recorded in about a month. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? I'm not 100% sure I'm ready, based on the evidence of last night, um, which was quite a fun game and I didn't really care about at all. Uh, Not sure if we're ready for this, but let's do it anyway. Yeah, uh, last night was a a bit strange. Um, It was odd to sit and watch a Liverpool game and be angry at how poor we were while still not really caring about the results. But, you know, it's out of the way now and the Reds are back. We play Aston Villa on the 26th of December. You will call that Boxing Day or St. Stephen's Day or whatever you call it where you're from. But at 5.30pm, Liverpool will play an important game against Aston Villa, managed by your best friend, Unai Emery. Liverpool go into the game sixth in the league, whereas Villa currently sit 12th. But there is only four points between the two teams, despite the fact that Villa were so poor they sacked their manager. <laughs> I don't know where to begin with that. Is that shade being thrown at Jurgen Klopp? Is that suggesting it's a know, little bit? Yeah, you know, I did a better job than some are claiming. Is that saying Unai? Oh no, no, no! He definitely <laughs> didn't do a better job than anybody claimed. Um, I think the the one important thing from a Liverpool perspective at this moment is that we have one extra game in hand, and what we need to hope is that that one extra game, which we would have played in the crap third of the season or nearly a half of the season we now get to have in the the latter half or third of the season and we hope that it's going to be a bit better so maybe that three points which we probably wouldn't have got we might now have a chance of getting and that helps us close the gap to the top four or extend the gap between ourselves and Villa whichever way around you prefer to look at it this season um I don't really know where Liverpool are going to stand at the minute 
in terms of playing style. I mean, there's lots that you can take from the Man City game if you wish to, but I think that the best way of approaching that is to not, basically. Um, it was a... I mean, the teams were more or less as we expected in the in the pod that we did previously, and I wasn't really surprised at the way the game panned out either. Um, Liverpool was second best in quite a few areas, but again, based on the teams that were out, it doesn't really matter, because it's not really what you would expect in certain areas of the pitch. Like, I did see a, a few people you know, complaining about Bacetich, for example, that he maybe didn't have a great game and was overrun and that, and I'm thinking, well, I mean, he's just played against three people who started at the World Cup uh, literally all the way around him and he was replaced by another guy who started at the World Cup who is our usual starter and that was his second ever start for Liverpool so if you're expecting anything different probably time to reconsider your expectations of him. Um, I think people just got far too carried away with him Carl because he performed well in a couple of friendlies and they forgot that like it's not just the speed of the game, it's the intensity at which the game is played in the Premier in what was a glorified Premier League game because City took it quite seriously as opposed to a friendly game. And for me, it, it just confirmed what I thought. He's a couple of years away from being a real contributing piece for a team who wants to win major honours. There's definite talent there, and he's definitely somebody that we should be developing with the idea of this kid can be first tr- like a first-team player, but he's not there yet, and we shouldn't try and force him to be there yet. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, he's, he's literally taken his first couple of steps. Don't expect that he's suddenly going to be the rotation option for Fabinho. He's not. That's not what he is. He's there as a... I mean, in a normal squad situation, he would be third in line to play the number six role at the minute. We just don't seem to actually have the second in line. So that's mm-hmm. why he's you know, getting a couple more opportunities. But it's fine. If he gets you know, one more start between now and the end of the season, that's really good progress. This is his first season as a, as a, you know, a first-team option, even. Uh, and he's not really at the minute. He's not a senior player or anything like that. So I think what he's doing at the minute is fine. I think you can't get to you know, Fabinho levels or... Mascherano levels or even Jordan Henderson levels without having your first few games in a senior setting give you a few examples and a few lessons like this along the way. That's like that's what becoming a pro is. That's absolutely fine. And yeah, it's it's a journey. Like it's 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 a marathon. Like it's a career. It's not yeah. something he's just doing for a little bit of time. This is something that's going to dominate his life for the next fifteen years. And he needs to be brought along accordingly. It doesn't help, though, when the assistant manager twice makes public statements about about him and puts that kind of pressure on him, calls him a new signing, and then says how amazing he was in training. Like, these things don't help. Yes, it's great to give him the confidence to know that his assistant manager is very impressed with him. But those things can be said privately. You don't need to hype up a fan base that can be very fickle with unnecessary praise. Like, let the lad develop. Don't rush him. Don't rush Bobby Clark. Don't rush Ben Doak. Like, we're already forcing Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho into the team far too often. Two lads that really aren't ready to to play on a regular basis for a team with ambition to win major honours. They're just not. Like, 
Harvey Elliott should be playing about the same amount for us as Cole Palmer plays for City, which is about 800 senior minutes in his career, whereas Harvey has more than that already this season, despite being a year younger than Cole Palmer. Carvalho's the same. Like They're talented lads, and they are going to have very bright futures, but they're not there yet. And the more you force them in, and the more poor performances you get for them, the more criticism they come in for. And young lads like that, they do read social media. And they are going to have seen people slag them off after last night's game. And that's not what they need. They need to be protected more. And we're not doing a good job of protecting these young players. Yeah, I think the issue is exactly what you said there, that we're relying on a few of them like Carvalho to step up and be senior players when they're not. You know, They're not remotely ready. He isn't even close to being ready if he was a 15 minute irregular impact sub that would be about where he is at the minute you saw it you know last night again in the first half against Man City you can see that there's massive talent there on a technical level like his his goal for example was really really well taken very very composed finish uh, there's a few first touches which are absolutely immaculate and really really good to see but in terms of playing football at a senior level it, Six, seven times out of ten when he receives the ball, it's the wrong thing that he does. He'll check back into a challenge. He'll try and take someone on who is just simply a lot older and bigger than him, and he can't run yeah. around. The lack of man strength yeah, exactly. was I mean, quite like, noticeable yesterday when he tried to take on Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin and De Bruyne, De Bruyne outside his own box, yeah. Yeah, and, and De Bruyne away. just took the ball away from him. Yeah, and for but, the, but, but like good. you said, you do see these little flashes. Like, yeah. the way he held his run for his goal didn't just burst into the six-yard box, held his run, really intelligent stuff, and made himself a pocket of space for Milner to play the ball across. That's really good. But when you get whipped off at half-time, despite the fact that you've scored... I I imagine that those were pre-planned, to be honest with you. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Think? Yeah, I think every single one of those subs last night, with the exception, obviously, of uh, Milner, who went off injured, were these are going to happen regardless of what the game state is. I don't think any of those were made with anything other than minutes and reintegration in mind. I don't think they really care. I think I think Bastic, uh, Bastic had to come off, though, because yeah, I agree. He, he, he had been booked. And he had, like the, the booking and then just the fact that he was he was really struggling with the physicality mm-hmm. and speed of the game. Like, but those are things, again, if you yeah. protect him develop him the right way, those are things he will naturally come to deal with rather than having to force himself to deal with them. But there was a couple of positives from last night in terms of performance, Carl. I thought Fabinho was very good when he came on. I thought he looked more like Fabinho. He made a bunch of tackles, won most of them. I think he won five of five tackles and six of seven ground duels. 
Um, he had that one great recovery tackle on Riyad Mahrez, where he showed the burst of pace that was completely missing in the first half of the season, and the intelligence to get himself back on the line to be in position to block that De Bruyne shot. Mm. I thought those were really good. I thought Oxlade-Chamberlain did okay when he came on, played a really good ball to Darwin, had a couple of great driving runs through the midfield, and I think kind of staked the claim maybe to start against Villa. Yeah, I mean, look, especially on that left-hand side, there's obviously an opening now with Firmino being injured. That's not a good thing for Liverpool. Uh, having two fit senior forwards when you play with three up front is is not ideal, let's say. Um, we'll see how we deal with that. But I think, you know, if you just take 45 minutes and sub-appearance, I would be starting Ox as a senior over Carvalho at the moment because... We don't really have any, obviously, too much room for manoeuvre in terms of points and the top four and all the rest of it. Um, I thought Ox was all right. Like, there were a couple of moments where, like, he overran the ball, one big dribble through mm. the middle, but he was carrying it well. He was he was forward thinking. He was clearly trying to have an impact. He didn't look like he was being held back in terms of any physical issue at the minute or anything like that. So, yeah, I'd be, I'd be very open to starting him, especially if... Very early on, I think it was just the pattern of the game in the second half, but it almost looked like we'd gone four four two and Ox was left side midfield. It was just yeah. actually because they were sort of overloading down that side and he just had to be in a bit more. But it does give you that option to be four across off the ball and then try and get forward into a front three in possession as well. So I don't think that that's the worst approach for Liverpool at all against Villa and to try to be a little bit more compact against... Um, against their build-up play, obviously, and then try and counter-attack with a bit more speed and with Darwin through the middle. So, let's talk about Villa then. What are you expecting from your best friend, Unai Emery? Horrible are you... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, there would be loads of that, but they are at home, mm. which means he will try and win the game, at least. Yes, he will. Like This will be a game that they try to... First of all, not lose. That's that's first and foremost. Uh, and I don't mean by that be defensive. I mean don't lose by silliness and being too open and being all-out aggressive attacking play. That's that's the Emery setup, right? First of all, you have your position in the game and you protect that. You probably will see Villa be quite compact off the ball. You'll presumably see Villa line up in a 4-4-2 variation. I mean, they have obviously chopped and changed throughout the season under Gerrard and even Emery has played a couple of different midfield systems in his two games right before the, the World Cup break but it was more or less a 4-4-2 uh, and then just different roles for those wider players out of possession so I expect it'll be that, I expect it'll be quite you know tight and compact out of possession I expect them to try and be fairly decent quite quick build up play down the channels um, Emery football is a template isn't it you know what you're going to get it's not going to be like long ball it's also not going to be slow circulation of possession it's going to be fairly quick transitions it's going to be quite um, attack minded in terms of getting the wide players stroke two inside forwards into the penalty area it's going to be about making sure that that central midfield zone is as solid and compact and reluctant to stride forward as is possible and that's what they build from. That's their base. The full, fullbacks will probably get forward a little bit more than they did at times under Gerard, certainly towards the end of the campaign, uh, or at the end of Gerard's spell, sorry. And uh, there's a, a, certainly a few decisions to be made in terms of personnel for those attacking four positions, let's say. 
but I think it really helps them that Kamara got back to fitness and game availability mm. right before the World Cup. I think if it had been two, three weeks earlier for him, he probably still would have gone with France uh, to the finals. But with him having been there all the time now, you you got to assume that that's a, a big part of his puzzle is is available straight away. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, and I, I think you're right. I think he will go with a 4-4-2, um, even if it's sort of a one-up, one-off type of pairing with kind of Ings or Watkins with Buendia playing as the second striker but dropping off into midfield. They should be close to full strength. The only players definitely out for them are Coutinho and Diego Carlos. Uh, Carlos obviously out with a torn Achilles. Coutinho has some sort of muscular problem, uh, possibly another back injury, similar to the one he had when he was at Liverpool. Uh, All signs point towards him potentially looking for an exit door uh, come January. Um, The one player they'll definitely be without who's not injured but is probably still very, very drunk is Emmy Martinez, who is still in Argentina, having been given some extra time off following his World Cup heroics slash shithousery, um, which means Robin Olsen will probably start in goal. Now, Robin Olsen, Carl, has not had a good season, is not a great goalkeeper, but he's okay. Like He's not dreadful, but he is the type of goalkeeper that when he doesn't play regularly and comes into the team sort of cold, he does tend to struggle, and there is always a little... And a little error there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, he's not an elite goalkeeper, is he? Let's be fair. Um, I think was was it he was the uh, Allison replacement for Roma, wasn't he? That's quite the come down. Um, he's he's all right. That's as, as bad as good. Sorry, as I can say about him, really, he can do fundamentals pretty well. He's a reasonable shot stopper uh, in terms of his you know reactions and athleticism and that, but. He's not the best, I don't think, at anything outside of his six-yard box, whether it's coming out to narrow an angle one-on-one or whether it's being quite dominant off aerial deliveries, crosses into the box, that kind of thing. Um, I don't also think his distribution is usually all that good. Probably go and get two assists against us now. You know, that's that's kind of what happens. But he's okay. That's all I can say. He's, he's quite a middle-of-the-road second-choice goalkeeper for a Premier League team. Yeah, and that's kind of all they really need him to be because yeah, Martinez d- doesn't miss a ton of games. So, yeah, I mean, look, you can play the Cups and you'll play the odd game when Emmy's still langers after winning the World Cup, and that's only going to happen once in his career. Um, the, other, the other thing we might see him get some game time on is uh, Martinez being suspended if things continue this way. I think he got booked in the two games that... Uh, Emery took over for before Christmas, didn't he? So that's just... Yes, uh, for, for the shithousery and yes, the time-wasting. Yes, that, which, that's, uh, that's going to increase. So maybe he'll get the extra game through suspension. It is quite amazing the level to which Emmy Martinez can bring his shithousery. I mean, what we saw in that penalty shootout in, in the World Cup final is, is maybe the highest level of shithousery I've ever seen. Um, when when he took the ball before Chuamani's penalty and then just threw it away and sent him having to go chase it over to the near the touchline was impressive. And then he just was getting in the head of every attacker. And you know, it's it's a great thing for him. It gives him an edge. It, it 
probably gets his mind focused as well. And we've seen him do it in the Premier League, most notably when Bruno Fernandes is about to take a penalty against him for United and he walked out and said, well, why is Cristiano not going to take this? You're not going to score past me. Why is he not going to take this? And Bruno proceeded to put the ball 40 yards over the crossbar. But Emmy's a good goalkeeper, and when they get him back, he'll help. But for now, they've got Robin Olsen. Uh, You would imagine that the defence will be fairly straightforward. Matty Cash at right back, Esri Konza and Tyron Mings at centre-back, and then Luca Dina at left-back. Luca Dina is a good player. He's very good going forward. He delivers a great set-piece and a great cross. Matty Cash is quite inconsistent, and there's talent there, but he's a very strange player in that when he was at Forest, he was a winger who converted to wing-back and then full-back and was primarily an attacking player who spent his entire game bombing forward and producing good quality service from that position. Since going to Villa, his game has done a complete 180, and now he's quite a good defender, but not so good going forward. It's it's a little bit unusual. Yeah, I think last year he had quite a good impact going forward. He was like you know quite there with deliveries, and he got a few assists early on in that. But I'm not sure if it's you know a bit of a an attempt to balance out the team because obviously Dina they want to get forward because he's a, probably the better crosser out of the two so Cash has had to do that I'm not sure if it's a knock-on effect of playing international football for Poland where everybody has to defend for 86 minutes and you only get one chance to attack and that seeped through to club level so he tries to do the same thing um, he, he's again he's another one who I think is alright I don't think he's you know an immovable part of the jigsaw or anything like that but he's a bit like Steve Finnan was at the time for Liverpool, where he's never going to be your biggest problem and there's always somebody else you can upgrade before him. But at some stage, if you really do want to push on, he probably is one you need to replace as well. Do you know, he actually reminds me a little bit of Liverpool legend Stigging Gabionaby in terms of his desire to cross the ball, regardless of where he gets the ball (laughs) on the pitch. I did see him this season attempt to put a cross in from inside his own half, which I'm not even sure Stig managed back in the day. Um, Esri Konza, two seasons ago, was one of the best centre-backs in the league, but has drastically declined since then. Now, he's still a very young defender, only 25, so you would still have hope that he can get back to that level. But it doesn't help that he plays next to the other fella. Tyron Mings is a walking liability. And he's the type of defender that fools a lot of people in the same way Lovren used to fool people, in that he does like the big blood and thunder stuff. And people think, oh, he's he's good and he can look at him, ping a pass and all this kind of stuff. And then just fundamental defending is a very big issue for him. And I don't often give Eddie Howe credit, but Eddie Howe once bought him, watched him and realized this guy can't defend and got him out the door as quickly as possible. Villa are still persisting with him years later, despite the fact that he cost them between four and six goals pretty much every season. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. 
and we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on eplindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I think four to six goals might even be putting it kindly for the last... I'm talking about big errors, though, like big glaring Um, ones, not the little small errors he makes in every game that contribute to a a larger defensive mess. But I think think knowing Emery, surely Mings is one of those who's high on the list to be replaced. Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, obviously part of that is going to be when Carlos comes back as well. Um, You would imagine it might be... Carlos and another one, uh, rather than Conser and Mings. But like you say, a lot of that is going to depend on on Conser and how much higher he can get. I think Conser is probably one of the ones who will benefit from having Emery uh, as coach, to be honest. Because let's be clear, I, I don't think that Emery is a terrible coach, and I don't despise him. I, I despise the reputation that he has and the fact that plenty of people think he's an absolutely unbelievable elite coach when he isn't. What Emery does very well is put a platform in place for the team to perform. What he does is have really, really good structure and have very clear fundamentals that everybody in the team needs to do. And what that does, as a knock-on effect and as as part of his overall strategy for the team, is have a centre-back partnership which basically plays every single game alongside each other. They obviously get a really good understanding. They obviously have a very good... um, base performance level as a result and they also have very very clear guidance of who's doing what in front of them and that will often help the centre-backs look particularly uh, composed and consistent in their performance level and that basically gives the team the platform then to go and do other bits to try and win matches or you know at the very least they know they're going to be able to draw them when they're playing away from home. Um, That's a big thing, I think, for Conser at this stage because he is a really talented defender and he's got really good physical um, attributes to his game as well. But he probably needs, at this point, some real solidity in his game. Mm. He needs to find the consistency in the team overall around him and everybody knows what jobs they're doing so that his actual ability can come to the fore then. And that's when you'll probably see him, again, become maybe one of the better English defenders out there. Um, If Emery, let's say, is there... Towards the end of next season, I could see Conser, for example, being someone who has really benefited and is on a really strong half-season run, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I do think there's a possibility that Emery, when he gets Carlos back, who I'm not a big fan of, but he is yeah. he is quite suited to some of the things that Emery wants, um, and gets another one in. It wouldn't surprise me if we see Ezri Conza playing right back quite a bit in the same way Juan Voigt played right back for Villarreal where he's a right back but also a centre back when they have the ball and they just flex into a bit of a three Um, and the left back then has more permission to get forward into midfield they are quite strong in midfield and of their of the four that started against Brighton which I'm going to assume is the four that starts against us there's three of them that I really like two that I think 
I, I would be looking at as potential Liverpool signings in the future. The one I don't think is elite level, but I, I do like, is Douglas Louise. Um, I think he fits much better in a double pivot. He's not a six, but he can play as like that sort of six and a half that Ginny used to play for us. I do think he's a good player. I love Bubakar Kamara, and he would be high up on my shortlist of people as long-term Fabinho replacements. I think he's very, very good, and I adore Jacob Ramsey. And I think Jacob Ramsey has the potential to be a really, really good, really, really top-level player for one of the top teams in England. John McGinn, I'm not a fan of. I think he's one of the most overrated players in the league, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he's going to probably play quite a big role for them early on, I would guess, because he's, you know, the one the manager can turn to and he's going to do whatever job you ask of him and that sort of thing. Um, but in this system... If he's still any... captain now as well, isn't he? Sorry? McGinn is, is captain now as well after Gerard took it off Mings. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, assuming Emery hasn't decided to change things around again anyway, yeah. Uh, I, I think that McGinn will probably play a bit early on, but... Emery persists with his usual system, which is, uh, like I say, 4-4-2, but one slightly off, and then the wide midfielders are very much in from out. McGinn doesn't fit into that, I don't think. I think he's probably the one who eventually will come out of there, and it would be either maybe Bailey or maybe Buendia can play that role if if they play uh, somebody else off one of the strikers. Like, But basically, McGinn isn't the one, and he's not going to play centre-mid for an Emery side. Uh, he's not defensively tenacious and happy to sit in the same position enough to do that role based on what we've seen from Emery over the last 15 years or whatever. So I can't see that being a long-term solution for them, let's be honest. Um, Ramsey, I think, could do it for sure, um, but it doesn't make the best of his attributes either, I don't think. I think Ramsey needs to be a like a number eight in a, in a three-man midfield, something like that, to get the very best out of him. But at the minute, he's so young and still so inexperienced. It doesn't really matter. Get him in the team and do whatever job you want. And you can probably mould him to be, you know, whatever slight variation in the team that you think he, he is best suited to being. So it's a very hard work in midfield. It's a very uh, combative midfield as well, off the ball. In possession, I think there's enough individual talent there and... There's a decent mix of ball carrying and passing short range. I'm not sure that there's massive amounts of creativity. Certainly not once he gets into the final third, but usually that's when uh, Emery's forward or second forward might be a little bit more important because, you know, Buendia playing that role at the minute, I think is perfect for him. I think he's, mm. you know, almost more than a 10, but not, not really a, a striker, obviously, but give him a bit of freedom and he can cause havoc because his first touch is so good. He can... Pick the ball up in spaces. I'm quite a big Emmy Buendia fan, to be fair. So I, I think that that's a good role for him. If you can get those wider forwards around him or the wider midfielders around him and give him extra options to play off. Uh, otherwise, I think the one danger for Villa at the moment, which would be more for away games than home games in fair, is that those midfield line could sit a little bit too deep and leave the front two quite isolated. Yeah, and... That becomes a bigger issue if Buendia is not there because Buendia can drop that bit deeper and provide a link role, but then you are leaving one striker up front with not a whole lot of support. Um, they they have tried in the past playing Ings and Watkins, and it's never really worked. 
because they want to operate in similar spaces. They're both better in a two with a more traditional kind of number nine, a back-to-goal number nine. It's why I always thought when they signed Ings, they should have gone for Tammy Abraham. I thought Tammy and Ings would have been a good pairing. I, I think Ivan Tony and or sorry, Tammy and, and Watkins. I think Ivan Tony and Watkins would be a good pairing. But they obviously went and got Danny Ings, and he's been up and down for them, but he did score two goals last time out against Brighton, and I would expect that he might keep his place uh, for this game. So Ings and Buendia up front looks like you know the possible pairing, but they have options. They can go with Ollie Watkins, who's caused us problems. He actually missed the Brighton game completely, so maybe he just comes back in. Maybe he is the first choice. They have Leon, um, Leon Bailey, who could play wide or through the middle. They have young Cameron Archer, who's a very talented player as well. And I think a lot of Villa fans are, are very, very hopeful that he might be the next one to make the breakthrough. Yeah, I think Cameron Archer looks quite good, to be honest. His movement's pretty decent. He's obviously got a bit of a way to go before he can maybe be the regular starter. But I, I do think he's uh, got quite a bit of talent to, to his game. So I think even Leon Bailey can play the Buendia role as well, to be honest. I don't think Leon Bailey's that good, but I think he can play that role at times, and especially if they're away from home and he has obviously that bit of extra pace compared to Buendia. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see in some games Buendia drops out to that wider midfield build-up role and then uh, Bailey, as a counter-attack and outlet, can play that second striker role and he gives them that ball carrying, able to run both channels, that sort of thing. So they, they do, like you say, have a few options. It's not a bad squad for an Emery system, to be perfectly honest. He's got quite a lot of components there which are good for him to plug in straight away and play a certain very, very familiar pattern. And uh, <laughs> and then he can add one or two of them afterwards to, to you know round out the McGinn sort of holes. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad squad at all, to be, to be fair. Um, they don't really have a backup right back, but Ashley Young has, has been pretty good for them when he's been called on. Yeah. I quite like Augustinsson, the the Swedish left back, as as cover for for Dina. I think that's pretty pretty strong for them. Even Chambers um, can fill in right back. There. Callum Chambers can fill in at right back. Like I said, Konza could play there, and you could you could play someone else at centre back. They've got Jan Bednarak in on loan. He hasn't had much of an opportunity for them this season. Um, so we'll you know we'll see if he if he ends up staying there. In midfield, they've got. Pretty decent depth. Um, I, I, I quite like Leander Dendonker. I don't think Wolves ever figured out fully how to get the best of him. Morgan Sanson, I think, could do a job on the right of that midfield if needed. Um, he, he, he's another one that hasn't shown what he can really do. Injuries have, have hurt him, and he never really seemed to have Gerard's trust. They've got the wonderfully named Marvellous Nakamba. They've obviously still got Coutinho, but I just don't. I don't see a future there for Coutinho. Uh, the one they're really excited about, and I wonder if the long-term plan will be to have these two as the flanking midfielders. Molly's going bananas, sorry for that. Um, is Jacob Ramsey's younger brother, Aaron, who's playing for Norwich this season. I, I wonder if the plan is to play Jacob and Aaron as the wide midfielders, because they both have that natural inclination to get into central areas and get goals. So if you've got those two with 
Kamara and Luis, that's potentially a really good flat four out of possession, box midfield in possession. And then up front, like there's there's some young talent coming through. Um there's some more young talent in midfield. Like they've got a great academy. I do think Gerard made a massive mistake in, in how he managed Carney Chuck Wemeka. I think that's cost him a potentially huge talent. But like the future is bright for Villa and while you're right, Emery's not an elite level coach. He's still a, like he is still a good manager, and he is still probably, I don't know, a top twenty coach in Europe. Would that be fair? No. <laughs> do, do you honestly think there's twenty coaches in Europe better than Emery? Yeah, easily. Emery is easily. very good. Yeah, easily. Emery is really good at doing one thing, and he does it over and over and over again. That doesn't make him a great coach. He's really good at getting the team set up in that way, but I, I'd pick, I don't know. I don't want to get carried away, but I would, yes, comfortably more than 20 coaches who I would pick as better than him. Ooh. Comfortably. Oh, I think that's controversial. I'm looking forward to we, till we play um, Wolves so we can get your views on Lopetegui, who's a little bit Emery-ish. Um, <laughs> a lot Emery-ish, in fact. <laughs> um yeah, look, this is this is a good team with a with a bright future. They've got good owners. They've got ambitious owners. They're willing to spend money. There's a good base for them to build with. They've got that really strong academy that's producing a lot of talent. And um, yeah, I, I think you you know we need to be making hay while the sun shines and while Villa are still trying to figure out what they want to be as a football club before they start to realise their potential, I think this is an opportunity for us to take three points off them on the 26th and get our season back on track. So looking at us, Alisson is back in training and I would expect that he comes back in and starts. Agreed. Trent missed out last night, apparently ill. Um... James Milner started and turned in the type of performance that would have left Gary Neville sitting on a toilet wondering should he just retire at halftime in the middle of a game. Now, he got injured, but I think the injury just saved him from embarrassment. Cole Palmer, who's not, he's not quick, but he destroyed Milner last night. It, it, was, it was tough to watch Milner getting roasted in that way. Um... Calvin Ramsey sat on the bench throughout the game, didn't get much of a, like, didn't get any look in, which I thought was weird. Joe Gomez went to right back when Milner went off. Now, Gomez had stank the place out at centre back, but I thought he did, he did all right at right back. He, he more or less nullified Cole Palmer. Um, he nullified Jack Grealish when he came on. If, if Trent isn't ready to go, would you just start Joe Gomez at right back? Yeah, I would. I don't think you can just lash Calvin Ramsey straight in if he's not even got off the bench in the last game or, you know, he only played, well, he only came off the bench, didn't he, in the, in the friendly. So I assume they're still working on him, whether that's position. He's had, or, he's had all those injuries as well. Yeah. Like, So I don't think it's um, a game you just put him straight in for. I presume that if he'd have been impressing that much in training and in the, in the warm-up games, obviously he would have got a, a bit of a shot against City in the cup. So yes, it would have to be Gomez. And as you say, Terrible at centre back in that opening twenty minutes. Yeah, I mean, 
it's it's unfortunate for Joe, but I do wonder if his if his future at, at Liverpool at least is just to be the backup right back until he moves on, because for whatever reason he just he seems to have lost his awareness and his, his ability ability to focus. Is that like that on the that Haaland goal is purely down to a lack of concentration. He was just very flat footed. I found that in quite a few games that he'll start and it's very reactive whereas before he was always on the front foot he was always proactive about doing things he was always yeah moving into the aggressive first yeah and sometimes like in a few games like we've we just before the world cup we we did the roar and everything and he'd started a couple of them fairly poorly but by like 15 20 25 minutes in he was he was doing well he was playing much better and he was more aggressive and everything but you haven't got time to do that in these games now we, we need everybody right on it Right from the first whistle, so he wouldn't be starting centre back for me in any situation that I can think of at this this particular game. But yes, if if Trent is still out and ill, then I would move into right back. So Joel Matip will start. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe Ibu is fully back in training yet. I think he's still on a, on a break because France got to the World Cup final. But Virgil also hasn't been seen in training, to my knowledge. Um, so who do you start next to Matip? Do you go with Nat Phillips? Virgil. I think Virgil's back and was just given the extra few days last night. Um, the extra few days rest. Yeah, he basically just said, you know, he's obviously played a lot of games, so no need to um, rush him back as such just for the cup match. There's not going to be any, uh, you know, particularly difficult things, but he was in training. What, what day did we play? Man City was that Thursday night, so he was back Thursday. in training on Wednesday, Van Dyke. So he's, okay. he is fine for it. Perfect. Well, hopefully he comes back as the Virgil of old and not the Virgil we saw before the World Cup. Because uh, we we really... Like, the one player that really does lift the level of this team more than anyone else is him. And when he's at his best, we are an automatic top four team who will challenge for league titles. Uh, we can't afford to have what we saw before Christmas. So uh, we're looking at Trent or Gomez if Trent isn't isn't well. Matip, Virgil, I assume Andy Robertson just starts again at left back. Didn't think he was great. Thought he had quite a poor game against City. Just didn't seem fully sharp. But you know, it, it's the first proper game back in six weeks. And Robbo's very much the type that is better the more he plays. So I assume Robbo starts at left back. Yeah, I think you just take that one as a warm-up game last night for quite a few of them and mm. go with the first teamers now. So in midfield, um, I'm going to assume Fabinho starts. I'm going to assume Thiago starts. Who's the third midfielder? Because I think if Ox starts left wing, it's more of a reason to start Harvey Elliott. I thought Elliott was poor last night. I just thought he looked lost in the game. But if Ox starts, you can play that midfield as more of a four. And Harvey's more comfortable when he plays that little bit wider as a, almost a right winger. Henderson, when he came on, was awful. And, and just kind of ran around aimlessly shouting at people for his own mistakes and, and shortcomings. But if, if Carvalho is left wing... I do think you do need to play Henderson because I think you need to be a bit more solid in the midfield three, in just in terms of having a grown-up in there. I think if you've got 
those four positions, right midfield, holding midfield, left midfield, and the left wing role, I think you've got to have three grown-ups in there. So I think the choice is you either play Harvey and Ox, or you play Henderson and Carvalho. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's you could play Henderson and Ox as well, of course. I, I think that's what it. I think that's what I'm going to go with it being anyway. Um, I think Henderson starts. I think I'm not really sure where he's going to be at the minute. I think he played better with England than he had done for most of the season for Liverpool. But last night, like I say, I'm not going to take too much from any of them, even Fabinho, who has improved compared to what we'd seen before, but. We want to see that from the start of the game and we want to see it 90 minutes long. So I'm kind of just seeing the Man City game as a, an extension of the warm-ups again. Uh, and I'm not going to take too much good or bad from any of it. I think, I think like you said, Javier, it was like, it was overrun last night and bypassed loads of times. But also when he got on the ball, like two or three times, he was really good, exceptional. So you can't do that in a proper match, but you also don't play against Man City more than once every three, four months. Like So... Just let that be one, whatever game it was. And I think go from uh, Aston Villa. And basically from this point on, I would love, I really want it to be a case of play well to keep your place. I really, really think that that's important at this stage, especially especially if Liverpool are going to go and buy at least one player in January. Make it really, really clear right from now from the for the players who are there, you've got to play well, otherwise you're out of the side. And that yeah. goes for the seniors, that goes for... The, the younger players, they've got to be diligent off the ball. It's fine having the you know the quality and the, the potential to be a big player later on. But Liverpool, this right at this moment in time, we haven't, haven't got the ability to afford to babysit these people. They have to be no. grown-ups and they have to be senior players and they have to do a senior player's job. That's it. Because it's not right now, it's not about the next six years of Harvey Elliott's career. It's about Liverpool. It's about Liverpool being in the top four this season. Yeah. So, I would be inclined to go with Henderson and Oxlade Chamberlain left wing. Give the grown ups the game, give the grown ups the the you know the the platform to say, look, you're the senior players, you've got to take the lead here and you've got to do the job for us. And if they don't, they can't really have any complaints. And I would have them straight out. But to start with, this is kind of a reset moment, I'd have them both in. I'd go Harvey and, and Ox because I want a little bit of creativity on that right side. And if I'm not, if I'm not getting any defensive help, I've got to get something in attack and Harvey at least offers something in attack. Uh, that then leaves us with the, the only Nabi guys mentioning Nabi in the chat. I, I think Nabi, I mean, Nabi's an option if you go with a three man midfield, but I would say that Nabi's role moving forward is probably that him and Tiago share one role. And when Thiago doesn't play, Naby plays, and we probably don't see them on the pitch very often the rest of the way, unless we add players in January, in which case that allows you to just realign things a little bit. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial 
and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think I think Cater at the minute is back to where he was before. He needs to have a couple <coughs> of good um, options off the bench, a couple of good runouts, a couple of good impacts as a sub. And if he does that, then maybe you start to consider him for more of a role. But at the minute, not just because he's not been there he's not been you know reliable enough that kind of thing so uh, Oxlade Chamberlain was obviously meant to start against Man City uh, Klopp said but he, he came out because he was ill again so um, I, I assume that means he's in a, a fine position to be starting games and therefore mm. if he's, he's fully fit then he will do yeah so that leaves us with Mo and Darwin up front um, Mo didn't look just didn't look like he had his normal burst last night, but it was probably just easing his way back into things. Darwin looked lively, caused City loads and loads of problems, created a goal, but should have had at least two himself, missed three good chances, and a fourth that was gifted to him by the lack of a flag from a linesman. He needs to start putting those chances away. Like, we need Darwin scoring goals and do you know what it reminded me of Carl do you remember when we first signed Suarez and he'd get through on goal and when he had too much time and too many touches he'd end up overthinking things and he'd make a mess of everything and when he went on that unbelievable run from January 2013 to the end of the 13-14 season so 18 months do you look back at Suarez's goals the vast majority of majority of them are one or two touch, like two touches and then shoot, or one touch and then shoot. I think Darwin needs those type of opportunities where he can do things more on instinct without thinking, mm. and then the rest will come along. But just for right now, like the chance he got last night when he went through, it was almost like he had too much time. I mean, maybe, but I was a bit surprised because even uh, all of them were down the right-hand channel, for example, and it does make it a little bit more awkward for a shot, but he didn't really connect clean, cleanly with any of them, and he had no. a lot of time to line up his stride. You know, Forget anything else, he had a lot of time to line up planting your foot and hitting the ball cleanly. He didn't hit the target is the, is the more concerning thing. He tried the same thing on all of them, which was to go across mm. the keeper to the far post, and yet he scored, he made the exact same run in the friendly against AC Milan and scored and by scored. side foot and it near post. So yeah. I mean, it was it was a little bit surprised that he didn't do you know the other thing on at least one of those chances. And the one where he did come in on his right foot off the left hand side he actually squared for Salah's equaliser. So it's you know, I don't really care. Like I said last night I, I couldn't really be less bothered about it if I tried and I'm not taking too much out of it. And making the runs is Overall, for the forward, the most important thing, he kept making the run and he kept getting in behind and he kept getting the chances falling his way. And for Adao and Nunez across the course of, well, we got now 24 league matches. If he carries on doing that and gets two to three of them every single game, you'd back him to score 
at least one every what three chances over a longer period of time. So yes, last yeah. night he probably should have done better once, but he probably no no not probably he absolutely should have hit the target at the very least once, if not twice. That's that's the the only thing I would really criticise for. He didn't really set himself up. One of them he sort of you know had a look across at the linesman and then was checking for the defender. Just put it in the net, mate. Don't worry about it. Just just do your bit and then worry about the rest of it later on. Um, but that'll come as long as it comes against Villa and Leicester rather than in the the Milk Cup or whatever it is now then it, nobody really cares yeah yeah I agree I agree um, right so that's what we're lining up well from our point of view Alisson Trent if fit Gomez if not Matip Virgil Robbo you've gone Henderson I've gone Elliot Fabinho um, Thiago and Ox and then Mo and Darwin up front a, a fluid sort of 4-3-3 4-4-2 hybrid um, which allows us to be a bit more compact off the ball and then you know have that, that burst from Oxley chamberlain to join the front two, be able to carry the ball through the lines I think that combination of Ox and Thiago could could be decent um, if they can, if they can get a little bit of um, of a connect going, what are you expecting from this game? Then, what's your prediction? Um, might be a bit of a slog. I think if they try and be compact and not defensive, like I said before, but compact and wait for their moments, and we try to probe and maybe don't press too high upfield. I would like to see us press a bit higher upfield. And there's been noises that we, that's what we've been trying to do in training over the last week or whatever, but. You know, we'll see. We'll see if that actually translates into an energetic performance. Um, I think it'll be a, a very, very difficult game to to break them down. To be perfectly honest, I was very pleased to see Joel Matip put in what I thought was a really good performance last night. I think that that's important. We've been way too easy to play through at times this season. It was exactly the same off crosses and set pieces, but in terms of open play, one on ones, interceptions, positional play, track and runners, that sort of thing, I thought Matip did everything very well last night. Um, so that's important and I'll be optimistic because you know it's Christmas why not I'll say 1-0 to Liverpool but I actually wouldn't be surprised if this was 1-0 the other way or 1-1 yeah I mean it wouldn't be a surprise at all to me if if we did lose this game Um, I, I think we will win but it wouldn't surprise me if we lost because like I said I do think Villa are are a good team. I think there's there's a lot of talent there. There's some there's some bad players in there. Not bad players. Well, relatively speaking, like at the highest level of the Premier League, there are some some below par players. I think shall we say in the likes of Olsen and Mings, and I'd put McGinn in that group as well. I, I think if we can match Darwin Nunez up against Tyrone Mings and let Mings yeah. think he's going to be in a physical battle, which he will lose to Darwin Nunez, I think that's our yeah. best route. Agreed. Agreed. And there's always, like, the, Mings is going to grapple with somebody. It might be Darwin, it might be Mo. But if it's Mo He's going through something it. stupid. Yeah, if it's no, Mo, that's true. It. So. Mo, Mo is allowed to be kicked up in the air in the penalty box, apparently, because, I don't know, he's Egyptian or something. Maybe it's... Maybe it's maybe referees in the Premier League are just against pyramids or something. Maybe they just think squares are, are better shapes to build. I, I don't know what the, the, the situation is, but it's it remains bizarre. Uh, I'll go 2-1 to Liverpool. Um, 
Um, until I see us keep a clean sheet, I'm not going to believe that we can keep a clean sheet. So I'll go 2-1 to Liverpool, which would be a good result and a good win to get an, a, a, at any away ground in the Premier League, but specifically Villa. Just quickly on on Villa, obviously Emery took over um, shortly before the the World Cup break. Do you think, you've talked about this idea before of when a manager takes over and there's an extended break, it can often have a negative effect in terms of their their new manager bounce is kind of wasted on training rather than performance. They had two league games before the break. They won both of them under Emery, beating Manchester United and beating uh, Brighton, both very good results. They did lose to United in the League Cup, but like nobody cares. Do you do you think there's a possibility though that they've run out of that kind of you know new new car smell <laughs> while they've been training and not playing? Uh, I would presume so because they you know they would have all had a at least a week off as well. But they also had the League Cup match against United, um, which he was in charge for. So they've had three games. I think that's you know more or less all you're going to get for a new manager bounce anyway. To be honest, you know sometimes. If you're right down at the bottom and scrapping, maybe you get the you know, fourth or whatever afterwards. But three games for a new manager—that's that's all you're going to get as a bounce anyway. So I think for him, for Emery, he's not exactly you know the most charismatic of managers anyway. They didn't bring him in to suddenly lift it for a quick six points and survive the drop. It was nothing for that. It is about what Villa had was a real lack of structure, a lack of clarity about their build-up play. They were too easy to to break down in open play. I think he benefits from more training time and his style and his coaching approach should benefit from more more time on the training pitch so from his perspective that's that's fine i think yeah yeah that's possible they have a tough run coming up after us they get spurs away including us including us dave including us yeah including us but they they get spurs away wolves is home i think it's going to be a tough game because lapategi's in charge now they're going to be scrapping for every point they get leads and Jesse Marsh has has you know had a lot of time now to work with the Leeds team, and hopefully he'll start getting more good results. They've been okay so far. Uh, Southampton away, they're going to be scrapping for every point and improved Leicester, Man City, Arsenal. Like their first game that you'd look at and say, well, that's one they'll definitely win is Everton, largely because you know Everton are shit. But Everton might have seen sense and sacked Frank the Tory by then. Um, right, we, we will leave it there. Um, we will have a raw after this game. It will be a no Irish raw. Myself and Downey, under fear of getting absolutely battered by our better halves, uh, are unable to podcast on Stevens's day. So it will be Harry Setti hosting uh, Mr. Matchett and Jim Boardman, uh, proving that English people just don't care about their families at Christmas. Are you waiting for an argument from me? Sorry, there won't be one coming. <laughs> well, you're in Spain, so you don't care. You're having a good old time. Well, the rest of us are dealing with rain. What's the temperature like where you are today? 20 degrees and mostly sunny. Oh, well, there you go. Isn't that just lovely? It's, uh, what are we here? It is six degrees and raining. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> lovely. And it is to rain tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. 
Uh, and then it's just partly cloudy from then on at, a, at about six degrees. So that's nice. Um, yeah. So you enjoy that sun. And uh, Carol will see you all for Raw on the 26th at about 7.30pm British time, 8.30 where he is. Uh, take care of yourselves. Have a very good Christmas. Carl, is there anything you want to tell the people before we go? Have a good Christmas. Mr. Drinkle, you're working away in the background. Any message from you to the good listeners? Uh, club football. It's overrated. That's a fair point. Bring back the World Cup. And we'll see you after Christmas. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.